the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. Love Never Fails. Inviting you to join in the fight for love. There are millions of people who are trapped in modern day slavery. Take a stand to do something against this injustice. Join the fight against human trafficking. If you truly love, set the captives each week, this program sheds light on the needs of vulnerable people in our community who are impacted by human trafficking, homelessness, addiction, and abuse, and celebrates the work of those who are meeting them right where they are and expressing to them that they are precious, valued, and loved. Our goal is to see this radio audience move to compassion demonstrated in acts of service, generosity, and gifts of time. Now here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails, Vanessa Russell. Thanks and welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. We are in the studio today uh, with a new friend to Love Never Fails who has uh, just uh, been really um, pressing forward and doing some amazing work to bring safety and healing to one of her family members. We're going to be talking about her professional experience her personal experience, and also some of the things that she's been doing in the way of, of providing care to uh, the underserved and under-resourced for years. We have on the show, Carol Moore. Welcome to the show, Carol. Thank you, Vanessa. Um, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, so glad you could be on. So a little bit more about Carol. So so Carol's originally from the north, uh, north central Wisconsin, Wisconsin. <laughs> if you have any family that's listening, they'll give a good little chuckle there. Um, from a, you know, from a farming community, um, pretty large family there. Um, she came from and eventually found her way uh, to the Bay Area uh, where she went to, we were just chuckling because we both uh, graduated from San Francisco City College. And then she went on to San Francisco um, State graduated from there and um and got a BA in psychology, right? So Yes. Yes. Right? And so then and then she during college was working with uh, at, working at an outpatient unit for schizophrenic uh, chronic schizophrenics at the VA hospital in San Francisco and teaching them life skills and 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 that um was uh, it's out, I actually want to drill down quite a bit on that because mental illness is such a key issue here with with uh with what we're dealing with with the human trafficking but it looks like you went on you um despite getting your degree in psychology you decided to go into law what happened there right (laughs) oh yes (laughs) got her degree at golden state university school of law and 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 it's you were saying earlier that you actually worked in a group home as well tell tell us a little bit about that work at, at the group home Okay. Um, at the time I was married and um, my husband and I moved to Boulder, Colorado, and um, we accepted a job working as resident counselors in a group home. And uh, um, it was an organization that had four different houses. Uh, the house that we had at first was the younger children, the 13 to 15 year olds. And then, uh, and then we worked for a year there, and then we worked with the 16 and 17-year-olds uh, after that. But these were children who could not live in the home for a number of reasons. You know, either there was abuse going on or there was, um, um, you know, some kind of, you know, um, other trauma going on. Or they were getting into trouble, um, which put them into the juvenile uh, system at that time. And so some of the children were at the group home in lieu of being in juvenile jail. That's what they had at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, others were, were with us because they, uh, you know, because home wasn't a good place for them. But we worked with a variety of, of the systems. We worked with the probation officers and the, uh, 
Department of Social Services. We worked with the schools. We worked with the alternative schools. Uh, we had a full-time uh, Monday through Friday staff uh, uh, psychologist uh, with us. And we worked with the parents. So we did a lot of group work and um, and we really tried to um, provide a loving, you know, loving home for them. Uh, mm-hmm. We did not have children didn't run away I, from any of the four homes that, that were operated. Wow. Um, they weren't running away from home. Um, they, they were staying there because there was some, I guess, uh, certainly the threat of juvenile hall. Uh, no one wanted to be there. Yeah. Um, and um, and I think they uh, they really loved the, the family environment. We, you mm-hmm. know, chores they had, um, you know, we cooked together. We did a lot of um, activities together and we checked up on them. I mean, they were in school. The schools were great about keeping in touch with us about any uh, um, any um, behavior issues at school. So it was it was really, really a wonderful, wonderful work. But um, uh, we did it for two years. That's longer than many resident counselors last because we were there Monday through Friday around the clock with these children. And um, uh, but it was great work, really great work. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, um, so you went on from there and you were you were after you passed the, um, the bar exam. Uh, you took on a variety of cases, you know, police brutality, construction defect, sex discrimination, auto accidents, product liability. So just a wide range of, uh, you know, legal um, legal cases and really worked in that space for the next 20 years, correct? Right. I mean, I worked as a litigator in San Francisco in, in at a plaintiff's firm. Um, actually, it was the law offices of Melvin Belli, who at the time, um, you know, he was, uh, yeah, he is, he has passed uh, since then, but he was a very well-known <laughs> sort of icon in San Francisco. So he got really interesting cases. So I was really fortunate to uh, be able to work with him. And then I started working for the last uh, 20 years. I've actually, uh, I've, re- I've since retired, but for the last 20 years, I worked um, uh, for an insurance company that that really represented primarily roofing contractors. So that sort of took me away from, um, I guess, my real uh, love of law, but it sort of it kept me involved in it, mm-hmm. that's for sure. Wow. And then, and I love, I just love your, your resume here, your bio, because you also, um, it sounds like you've been teaching English as a second language. So well, do you speak other languages or? I don't, I don't. Okay. I do not, but, okay. um, but I became um, certified to teach uh, English as a second language. Um, but because I've always worked full time um, and I really hadn't used that certification until just recently, although mm-hmm. uh, um I don't know that I would have needed it to to do what I what I did, but I went to um, Oaxaca, Mexico, with a girlfriend of mine, mm-hmm. and we both we worked for a nonprofit agency there for two weeks. Volunteered. We didn't we weren't paid employees. Uh, we volunteered there, and we taught uh, the children in their program English as a second language, and mm. it was great fun. And it's hard <laughs> teaching is really hard, and it was especially hard. Um, because unfortunately, my Spanish is extremely limited, okay. and um, so to uh, to move them along, sometimes if I if I had known Spanish better, uh, yeah. it would have been easier. But I took Spanish classes in the morning and yeah. then taught English in the afternoon. It was okay. great. I thought we were going to do the rest of this program in Spanish. I was, I was, I was ready. I was excited. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. I, I could only get through maybe about 15 minutes and then I would be exhausted. So (laughs) it's funny if you don't use it, you lose it. But, um, I definitely, uh, so, so lots of great background here. I also see that you have an affinity for the arts, for music, for sports. And all of the things, this is all um, very applicable to what we're going to be talking about today because um, we, we're we going to be talking about your niece, yeah. um, your niece who unfortunately um, is a, a child who is ensnared in human trafficking in the Bay Area as we speak. Right. And, um, and we're going to be talking about the things that someone like your niece needs. 
mm-hmm. in order to um, uh, be safe, uh, be be connected, uh, not want to run away. All these right. things that you have so much experience with, quite frankly. Um, and we're, you know, I wanted to get it firsthand from you because this is very a personal matter. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, yes. And so we're gonna we're gonna take a break and we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk a little bit about what is going on with your niece and you know and how what has been the progression and how we as a society we as a community can better come alongside her now and how we could have maybe prevented or reduced um, the harm that mm-hmm. she is experiencing right. and so. We're going to take a quick break. Um, we're going to come back. But um, thanks. Uh, thank you again, Carol, for being on the show. And, and sure, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you to the listening audience. We'll be, come right back. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages. Trash bills weighing you down? At Case Industries, we specialize in lowering waste costs and providing trash consolidation and compaction services for multifamily properties, condos, and commercial shopping centers. Let us help you reduce operating expenses and increase property NOI. Case Industries, saving the planet, saving you money. Contact us today for a property trash and recycling assessment online at caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. That's caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. Case Industries, the property manager's friend. Hi, I'm Sandra Herrera, CEO of Case Industries. I've found that many employers are looking for ways to help the community but don't know how. I encourage you to consider supporting Love Never Fails as a corporate sponsor. Love Never Fails offers all the resources necessary to help young women and men overcome the trauma of exploitation and abuse. And that's why I'm proud to have Case Industries supporting Love Never Fails Radio. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. Uh, We are in the studio today again with Carol Moore. Um, Carol brings with her years of experience as a litigant and as a... um, a clinical person working with children in providing services in, in a, um, a residential setting um, and certainly just coming alongside um, people in need uh, in general with legal support and, and, and mental health support. And so um, just really grateful to have you on to talk a little bit about um, your own personal experience that you are uh, that you are currently experiencing right now. Um, and also with that insight that you have from your experience as a professional woman um, who cares so much about the community. So let's talk a little bit. So as you, you know, as you know, you and I uh, were, became engaged. I'm trying to remember how that happened. Was it through social social services? It, it was, it was okay. through, yes, the Department of Social Services um, okay. suggested I contact you. That's right. And that was because we were looking for your niece. And so we began to pull together um, some details around how we could find her. And um, and as we began to look further into her situation, um, you know, I realized that there were a lot of things that needed to be put in place in the way of, um, you know, filing a missing persons report and, you know, putting a flyer up um, that says she's missing and she'd been missing for some time. And. And um, and then I learned that this has been something that has been happening off and on for about three years. Right. Yes. So, well, you're right. It, uh, two and a half for sure was when um, she became um, um, a person in the Child Protective Services uh, um, Division. Um, prior to that, she had lived with her great uh, grandfather and great grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it's been two and a half years. She was 13 when she left. Um, and uh, so she is uh, 16 now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Long time. Yeah. So it's been, you know, she's been really heavy on my heart since mm-hmm. we talked. Right. And, um, you know, I'm a praying person. So I, mm-hmm. I, I pray for her, for her safety. For her, 
her her care. Um, and that's where I go to keep myself sane, you know. Um, um, I appreciate that. How, Thank how, you. Yeah, absolutely. So how has this been for you and your family? Well, um, you know, when she was, I mean, just to give a little background, she lived with her mother for the first uh, probably five years of her life. She lived with her, her mother um, mm-hmm. and we and we didn't get to see her. And the family is actually fairly small. She's got her great grandparents and she's got uh, three aunts, I being one of them. And then I um, live with her uncle. We've been together 20 years. Um, and then she has a couple other uncles. She also has a brother who's... Um, who's about six years older than she is. Um, but she lived with her with her mother and we didn't, right here in the Bay Area, we didn't see her a lot um, when she was real little. Um, and then when she started school, that's when we started seeing her more because her mother would call her grandfather and say, will you pick her up after school today? I can't be there. And, um, and then sometimes she would stay longer and longer at her, grand, at her grandparents' home and um, and then one day she just never came to pick her up again. Um, um, and so Mariah How was, old was she then? How old was I she? think she was uh, she would have been either five or six. She was either in kindergarten or first or, or first grade. Um, OK. Um, and so this and so she went to live with her great grandparents, um, not, you know, not by choice, but uh, she was sort of not. Uh, not uh, or nobody came to get her, so they left her there. Or she was left there, and and you know they they became um, legal or custodial parents, and I don't really know the legal term, but they were able to register her for school, and they were able to um, take care of her medical needs, and and so they became that uh, that person, but they never became her legal guardians. Uh, her, her mother never lost that. There was never any court hearing over that at that time. Um, and Mariah was always, I mean, I mean on her uncle and I spent a lot of time with her because her, her grandparents were elderly at that time. They were already in their mid-70s. Mm-hmm. So, um, so Andre and I spent a lot of time with, with Mariah and, and we got to do really the fun things with her. But, you know, we would take her shopping, we would take her to Disneyland and we would go to Chicago to visit her great uncle. And, you know, we did a lot of, a lot of those things. She spent a lot of time with us, um, you know, on the weekends, we would go and pick her up and give the grandparents a break. Um, she was always a little bit of, uh, you know, what they would call high risk. Maybe there's a better term for it now, but even in, in, uh, um, in elementary school, you know, she would do, she stole the phone and threw it in the toilet, someone else's phone. And so she was having something, she took a knife to school one day and said that she'd been threatened um, by someone. And uh, that turned out not to be true, the threat, but, but she was, there were some behaviors that acting out out for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that she really loved and and was very good at and and was really connected to uh, was the Destiny Art Center. She, uh, we got her enrolled in classes there. She loved dance. She was a good dancer. Uh, She's very, very creative kid um, and a lot of fun. So, um, so, but, so that was her after school um, um, activity and uh, we made sure that she uh, kept up with that and, and uh, she really enjoyed that. When she got to middle school, that's when I think started, you know, things started falling apart. And I, I, to this day, I don't know how children become sexualized so early on, but they do, whether it's by phone or video. I know I had, she, I had parental restrictions on her computer, but once she got an iPhone or a, or a smartphone, um, um, yeah, I don't. I just don't know what happens, but um, but I know at one point um, there were there when she was probably twelve. Um, there was a, a boy, and she were exchanging messages, and it was discovered at Destiny Destiny Art Center, um, and so we were, everyone was called in to have a talk about it, um, and um, they were very. Um, 
they were very sexually explicit uh, um, things on her phone that one wouldn't expect of an 11 or 12 year old. Um, but I guess that is uh, that is a reality in today's world. It, it just is. You know, we, we talked with her, the people at the school talked with her, and I think she was even in some counseling at school. Um, but she didn't, she didn't like counseling. She, I know she was pretty opposed to that. Um, and it, I guess when the trouble really started, when we really became concerned was when in the summer when she was 13, was the first time that she ran away. And uh, Andre and I were, were not here at the time. We were in New York and we got a call uh, from her brother saying, Mariah is not here. We don't know where she is. And uh, she came back for like three days later. She never said where she was. We never really knew where she, where she had been. Um, and that continued in the fall. So she would have been in eighth grade. She continued. She would be home for a while and she would sneak out the window Um she would, you know, she would come back, but she, you know, we were very, we were concerned and she wasn't going to school. She was missing school. And uh, the grandfather, who was a primary caretaker, um, his wife was suffering from dementia and her health was worsening. And so in January of, um, I guess it was two and a half years ago, he said, I, I can't do it anymore. I can't be responsible for um, I, I can't not know where she is. Um, and uh, and so he contacted Department of Social Services and they did the search. You know, they did the search for the parents um, and they found them. They found both her mother and father um, and they had the opportunity to step forward and to um, see, you know, and, and to um, take their daughter back and have their daughter with them. And um um, you know, they didn't follow through. I mean, that's the bottom line. They simply did not follow through to make that happen. And so um, Child Protective Services took custody of her um, right shortly before she was 14. And that sort of began this whole thing. And about that same time, she was reported, uh, she reported to school. She'd been gone for a couple of days. She came back, she went to school, and she told her counselor that she had been raped. And that, I think, is... is typical of girls at the beginning of the traffic that is my understanding and Vanessa you correct me but you know some other there's there's a recruiter also someone who's about the same age as they are um and um they there were boys in a car they said they wanted to party they took them to a house and Mariah was uh, was raped, and the uh, the other girl was not. I, that's also I understand typical, um, or or not uncommon. Um, and um, she was uh, taken to uh, to the hospital. They did a rape test. They have DNA. Uh, they never found a match. She went to a, a facility, a hospital facility. They fifty one fifty her is what they did shortly at that same time, and. Um, and they tried to get her help. Um, and um, she spent about, um, I don't know, maybe a week uh, to 10 days at a place out in, out in the Far East Bay. Um, it was a locked facility and they really tried to work with her and, you know, figure out, let's make a plan. Um, and then she went into her first group home um, from there. Um, that was in Pittsburgh and that didn't last long, maybe two yeah. weeks. Mm-hmm. And that sort of began the cycle in and out of group homes and uh, to the assessment center. And she would run um, and she would say she didn't want to be at a certain group home and they would move her because they don't keep them there if they don't want to be there. Yeah. So 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 we're going to take a quick break uh, because I know I want to I want to pick up from there. Uh, I you know, this is so hard to hear. And um, I know those that are listening are just. You know, um, just their heart is breaking for her and for you. And um, and I'm so grateful that we get to put our minds around this and really hear the honest, you know, kind of layout. I got to say, this is I wish I could say this was like a, a an anomaly, what you're saying. But right. this is the same format over and over and over again. And so right. this is so important that we get a hold of this and we understand it. So, okay, we're going to come, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back um, 
And those who are listening, thank you for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. We'll be right back. To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. This is Dr. Miluna Fausch. I am honored to serve on the advisory board of Love Never Fails, where each voice matters as lives are restored. Thank you for your support. Let's face it, you are making a pitch for something every day. Your verbal communication skills are the key to your professional and personal success. My company, Pitch Perfect Presentations, trains executives, management teams, and startups in delivering consistent, effective, engaging presentations to today's diverse audiences to rev up sales, attract clients and fans, and secure funding. Visit PitchPerfectPresentations.com to schedule your complimentary strategy call with me today. That's PitchPerfectPresentations.com, PitchPerfectPresentations.com. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back, and thank you for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. We, again, are in the studio today with Carol Moore, and um, she's sharing a, um, some of her own personal experience with her, her own niece, who is currently being trafficked in the Bay Area, and sort of how that has happened and has given us some deep a deep look into the process. And, you know, as I was mentioning before we broke, um, that... You know, often there's something that is going on with mom or dad because mom or dad, you know, I I, I have a 12 year old daughter. And the other day, my daughter told my mom, you know, my mom is my home. And I was so touched by that. And at the same time, I think, you know, mom is home for for most people. And when mom isn't well, when mom is being abused, when mom is is mentally ill, when mom has addictions, when mom has to work five jobs to provide for her children because maybe dad is deceased or dad is incarcerated or dad is absent. Um, these are the sort of the, the, the pressures that, a, you know, a mom might be experiencing and it has an effect on the child. And here we have, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, her grandparents in their 70s, God bless them, that took, took, took the initiative to care for a 13-year-old, you know, I mean, talk about like a, an age gap, right? And so they don't know what Snapchat is and Instagram and how to get on and set up permissions on your phone and, you know. And I know that they delegated that to you. Um, and, you know, even someone our age, it's like, do we do, our, you know, there's new apps coming out all the time and I don't know how they work. And I have to work at figuring out, okay, how, how do I make sure that this is safe? How do I, you know, how do I evaluate what my child is consuming here? So, you, you know, immediate, it sounds like, unfortunately, these things were not in place. And I, I guess I have a question for you. When her grandfather was her custodial parent, were any services provided at that time to her? It sounded like counseling was offered. Oh, yes. And she did go for a short period of time, but she didn't like it. She didn't like it. So let's talk no. about that. I think that's important mm-hmm. to know because I was actually just talking with um, some leaders over at New Day for Children. And one of the things that they um, have done in their housing program for CSEC is they told me that their lead clinician, Miss Edie, and I'm, I'm excited about meeting Miss Edie. I'm going to be meeting her. So apparently okay. she holds on starting clinical care with the, the children in the residential home. So talk about a stable place. She waits for months until she starts. Why? Because she wants that child to to opt in to the counseling, to to embrace it. Sure. Right. 
And, you know, and I thought, I mean, that's the way we treat adults. Why wouldn't we do the same for children? You know, right. I want, I just wonder if what would be a better scenario? Like one of the things that we know right now that we have at our fingertips is art therapy, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Where children don't know that they're going through therapy because it's art, right? <laughs> right? Yes, yes. So bringing some creativity to, and it sounds like, well, you know, I, I'm familiar with Destiny Arts and they have a beautiful program there that, boy, they, they have some very gifted dancers. Yes. Out of Oakland, correct? Yes. Yeah. Oh, beautiful dancers. And so I'm sure she got some, there was some, you know, cathartic, you know, therapeutic aspect of doing that dance. Did you see that? You saw that? Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And their whole program, you know, is so set to what are the what are the issues that are confronting primarily the minority communities in the Bay Area at this time? They're very current. So their programs would change as as, you know, things came up, but they were. you know, they did a lot of uh, a lot of therapy, I think, through through dance mm-hmm. and the stories that they were telling. I mean, it's a, it was a great program. And I, I know Mariah really liked being there. Yeah. So I partner with um, Ray of Light Performing Arts Center in Hayward and they do yes. dance uh, like 33 classes, ballet, tap, modern, praise dance, flags hip-hop, all different types of genres. And like Destiny Arts, there's a story there. There's a there's a deeper meaning. And um, I don't think Reagan, uh, the director, would mind me saying she's a survivor of many things. And mm-hmm. so she brings that into her dancing expression and right. uh, her culture. So we're going to be going back on break here in just a second. Okay, but I just, sure. just want to ask you, she had these supports Right. Yes, but she did. Do you think she that did. there was something else that could have been added there? Oh, you know, many people thought that she had been abused sexually in those first six years of her life when, when the family wasn't that involved. We don't know really much what happened at that house, but she had lots of behaviors that led people to question that. And, but she she absolutely denied that. I mean, she was asked, and and um, I think we should, there, we should have delved a little bit further into that with with a professional to really mm-hmm. get to the bottom of that. Um, she did have she had support systems. I mean, she and you know that her grandparents' home that was stable. I mean, that was yeah. that was good. Her brother was always there. Also, you know, her older brother. Um, Andre and I and, and a couple other aunts, they are stable and in her life. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, and even then, we couldn't seem to be able to undo or to get her on a different track than whatever mm-hmm. had been seen, heard, experienced in those first six years of her life. Mm. Um, so I don't know how you see that. I mean, you just think she's going to be okay. She's going to be okay because it's good now. I mean, it's yeah. Yeah. Today it's good. Today right. It's good. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Well, we're going to, we got to go to break again, but um, okay, sure. when we come back, I want to talk about some of the current challenges that we're faced with and ways that we may be able, you know, things that we we're seeing that we would think need um, maybe some policy changes are needed or maybe some, um, structural changes are needed to better serve um, someone who's actively exploited, right? So, you know, maybe mm-hmm. there were, maybe we did as much as we could, you know, going up to the point where she became exploited based on her first early years of, of abuse, potentially. Mm-hmm. But what could we, what can we do differently now to get her home and keep her home, right? right. So right. so let's um, let's take a break. We'll come back. And um, dive some more into this. And thank you for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages. Trash bills weighing you down? At Case Industries, we specialize in lowering waste costs and providing trash consolidation and compaction services for multifamily properties, condos, and commercial shopping centers. Let us help you reduce operating expenses and increase property NOI. 
Case Industries, saving the planet, saving you money. Contact us today for a property trash and recycling assessment online at caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. That's caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. Case Industries, the property manager's friend. Hi, I'm Sandra Herrera, CEO of Case Industries. I've found that many employers are looking for ways to help the community but don't know how. I encourage you to consider supporting Love Never Fails as a corporate sponsor. Love Never Fails offers all the resources necessary to help young women and men overcome the trauma of exploitation and abuse. And that's why I'm proud to have Case Industries supporting Love Never Fails Radio. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again are in the studio with Carol Moore, who um, is the is the aunt of an actively exploited young lady in the Bay Area, a 16 year old that is currently missing. And we actually, um, sadly, we created a flyer that we wanted to post on social media. Um, we were not given permission by the judge to do that. Um, I'd never seen anything like that, to be honest with you, because there's usually such a desire, right, to find a missing child that everyone's like, yes, go, go, go. But um, this judge made the decision not to allow us to post the flyer, although the flyer is, is it currently posted on NCMEC? Yes. As far as I know, it is. So we will go and get that flyer off of NCMEC and then share that out because that's sort of the whole purpose of, uh, you know, sharing it. So um, uh, in any case, um, you know, some of these, this is a prime example of, you know, here we are. um, I literally don't have any funding to find missing children. I wish I did, but I don't. I do it because it's the right thing to do. Because who's going to come alongside you, Carol, and provide you the support? Who's going to provide, you know, the numerous other mothers and fathers that are desperate for their children to come home? Who's going to come alongside them? And and if nothing more, like if I don't help, if I'm not able to find the child, but at least I supported the family, you know, it it means something. Right. Right. And so, you know, but unfortunately, we have these these bureaucratic systems that sometimes interrupt community. Mm-hmm. And the natural community response. And so, you know, uh, I know that, you know, you can't, I was just talking with uh, one of my program managers about our housing program and not everything is black and white. There is some gray and it's hard for law, right? Legal things yeah. don't do well with the gray, the gray. Is right. right. So I understand, I understand. I don't take it personal, but you had some things you've observed, Carol. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, in the in the last over the last two and a half years. Yeah, so so maybe share from you know you have this legal background, you have this 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 trauma informed background. Tell us what what do you see? Well, one of the things that I've seen is that the the police officers are not trained to identify, or if they are, even if they identify, I don't know if they're trained to know what to do if they see trafficking happening. For example, when Mariah was fourteen, she was picked up. On a, on a bar train she, for not paying the fare. And she was with a man who was probably 30 years old. They ran his name and he had no criminal record. And they did realize that there was a warrant, a child protective services warrant out for Mariah. So they took her, they attempted to take her into custody. She fought the police officer. She bit him. She ended up at San Francisco General. But when I talked with the officers afterwards, I said, what did you do with the guy she was with? And they said, well, we have no no reason to hold him on anything. And my thought on that is, (laughs) what is a 30-year-old man doing with a 14-year-old girl who should be in eighth grade attending school? um, and, 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 and she's and she's a runaway. What do you think was going on? What I, I mean, I'm, I'm just so flabbergasted by the fact that they did not, absolutely nothing. They didn't you know, they don't follow him. They don't like try to find out. Does he have 
cars and property? Does he have a job or how is he making that money? Like they would in drug cases, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's forfeiture. You take that stuff. Right. So the, so the abusers, the perpetrators in trafficking, they really, really, they know the girls are going to testify against them. They know right. that. Yeah. And so the, so the, so the police and the district attorneys, I guess, feel they have no case. And I disagree with that. I think they do have a case. I think people, can put things together and they can see based on, um, you know, consequential evidence that this is what's going on. No, he's not going to get up there and say that, but it's abundantly clear to, yeah. to the public. Right. And that is really frustrating. That was extremely frustrating. Yeah. And another thing that was frustrating is just when you were talking about not being able to post a flyer and the judge uh, saying she has a right to privacy. And because all children on child protective services have a, legal advocate and attorney um, assigned to them and they protect those children's rights. And even though Mariah didn't say don't post it, the attorney spoke for her and advocated to the judge, you know, please don't let this information. And it was, you know, it was very basic information. It was. uh, Yeah. um, It's her name. She's been missing since this date. Right. And, you know, and that, I mean, it's something you would want to go. It's, it's a missing person flyer. That's all it is. Person flyer. And to not allow that, that is just, um, that was a a disappointment and it's almost shocking that, uh, that, uh, that these kids are missing then. And, and we can't even do that to try to help find them. Um, and, um, the other thing that has been really frustrating is, you know, um, not being able to uh, find a placement for her uh, where she will stay. <laughs> and yeah. one, there's not a lot of alternatives. So I'm go- so happy for the work that you're doing um, mm-hmm. um, and offering maybe some new options. Um, but if the child doesn't want to go, once a child is in the system, as you and I have talked about, once they're in the system, if they say, no, I don't want to go to that group, well, group home or I don't want to go to that foster home, then the then the uh, the social worker cannot place the child there. And even when I have offered um, to because I am in charge of her educational needs, uh, but I have no power, but but I I have been appointed as that person mm-hmm. um, to send her out of state to an educational all intensive kind of program where there's therapy and there's um, art and music and there's, you know, yeah, her education and, and rehab, all of that that Mariah needs at this point. Um, I'm not allowed to I'm not allowed to do that because mm-hmm. Mariah has to say, I want to go there. And um, and she's not going to do that at this point. She's not ready. Right. So how do we get her ready? <laughs> yeah, and that and that is really the challenge we're faced with when we let trauma get so far gone. Yeah. Right? It, harm reduction is really the only option we have at this stage in the game where, you know, hopefully I get to meet her one day and I get to say, young lady, I believe in you and I'm here for you when you need some help when you want to take dance classes, when you want to, when you want to mentor, just, you know, check in with me. Like that's going to be my, my process. It's a more harm reduction process because um, the process that I wish could have been in place for her at 13, right. She was first raped instead of being 51 50 and putting in, putting into a group home if she could have been brought into a home where her parental rights were not removed mm-hmm. and she right. stayed out of the system, that would have been, I think, a better outlay to say, I don't, we don't want you to go into the system. Right. We want you to stay with your family, but we're going to come alongside your family yes. to support you. Yes. Um, and hopefully she would have, she would have uh, appreciated that. Okay. We, we have to take a break. We're going to come back. Um, We're going to talk about events that are going on in the community and say our final words, Carol. So thanks so much. Um, Thank you. And thank you all for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. This is Dr. Miluna Fausch. 
I am honored to serve on the advisory board of Love Never Fails, where each voice matters as lives are restored. Thank you for your support. Let's face it, you are making a pitch for something every day. Your verbal communication skills are the key to your professional and personal success. My company, Pitch Perfect Presentations, trains executives, management teams, and startups in delivering consistent, effective, engaging presentations to today's diverse audiences to rev up sales, attract clients and fans, and secure funding. Visit PitchPerfectPresentations.com to schedule your complimentary strategy call with me today. That's PitchPerfectPresentations.com, PitchPerfectPresentations.com. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We again have been in the studio talking with Carol Moore, um, who has a niece that is, um, you know, currently uh, actively exploited in the Bay Area. And um, we are certainly continuing to pray for her. Um, We will continue to advocate for her um, in a couple different forums and just work directly with Carol to provide her and her family the support that they need to endure during this difficult time. Carol, any final words before I go into events going on? Well, um, just the final words, I guess, would just be to thank you and your organization for the work that you're doing. I wish I had known about you earlier. I know we talked uh, during break that you wish we had seen Mariah uh, earlier and gotten her involved in something that maybe we could have had a little different a big different outcome, maybe. So, um, so I'm very happy that 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 you exist and you're doing the work that you are. Thank you. And I, you know, I'm I'm very eager. I just have a feeling about Mariah. When we get a chance to meet, uh, <laughs> I have a feeling it's going to be a good meeting. And you know, it reminds me of another young lady. I won't say who it is, but um, she she too, um, fifteen. Um, I met her literally, you know, had been in and out and in and out of uh, homes and programs. And I had the opportunity to meet uh, with her. I'm not kidding you for about 15 minutes. And at the end of that 15 minutes, I prayed and she went into a program and she has been there ever since. And it's been going on to about nine months. She's love to hear that. Amazing. She's doing amazing. So, you know, um, it just is, it's like, that was her moment. That was mm-hmm. her moment. And I knew she wanted to get out. Right. And um, and so I'm just hoping that Mariah's moment is, is now, is now. And I want, you know, I'm just, I'm a, just want her to be safe and, and know that a lot of people, even though we have never met her, that we love her and we're thinking of her. So other things uh, as you're listening that you can get involved in, um, as you all know, because of the COVID rollback, um, we are not opening our community store until August. So we put a hold on that. But you can continue to support our work by shopping from our online store, which is store.loveneverfailsus.com. And we're super excited about we've got beautiful women's clothing, jewelry, shoes, and we have the survivors that are in our homes um, uh, partnering with our staff to send things out to handle inventory and really process things that have been stockpiled there from all of your gracious giving prior to COVID. Um, So we're so grateful for that. Also, we are continuing to raise money for our CSEC house that will be opening up our youth house. Again, this is for ages 13 to 16 girls that are not system involved, meaning we're trying to get them before they go into the system and provide them at least a year of art um, healing and restoration. And so the people in our program will learn to play the guitar, will learn to, they'll have a singing lesson, they'll have a dance lesson, they'll have, uh, they'll be, they'll do um, painting. Um, and 
they'll have two counseling sessions a week if they want it. We're actually going to pro- follow the outline that Miss Edie uh, has, has put together. So we're excited about that because we want to make sure they're ready for the counseling. They're ready for the services. And so we're really, um, we're listening to our community, our leaders who are doing such great work in this space. Uh, Nola Brantley, uh, one of our advisory board members, she's giving us some consultation here. Um, I'm meeting with uh, Kate Brown from Youth Law. I'm meeting with people and getting their input to make sure that this is uh, the best possible experience. So if you want to support this house, we ask you to um, give. We need to raise um, upwards of $325,000 by mid-August. And so you can give by going to loveneverfailsus.com forward slash donate, or we also have a GoFundMe page. So please give to this house so we can have the proper staffing for the house. Um, Also, um, we want to invite you to sign up for our IT classes. They continue to be free to you no matter where you are. Um, They're self-paced and you you will complete with a Cisco, Google, or a Google certification. So go to loveneverfailsus.com forward slash IT biz. This is for anyone that is underserved and under-resourced in the community, unemployed, low income, traffic, domestic violence, uh, veterans, undocumented, you name it. We've got it, uh, got a love for you. And we want to make sure that you're equipped to come forward from COVID better than you went in. All right. Well, if you haven't heard it before, um, or perhaps you're like me, you like to be told this over and over and over again. Um, we're going to close today by making sure that you know that you are loved. Have a blessed day. Thanks for joining us this week on Love Never Fails Radio. We trust that you've been inspired by these stories of hope and love and that you'll accept our challenge to get involved by contacting us at loveneverfailsus.com, by liking and sharing our Facebook page, Facebook slash Love Never Fails Radio, or by making a contribution directly to Love Never Fails. This program is the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, which is a donor-supported nonprofit ministry that Vanessa founded as a way of directly impacting the lives of young people who are trapped in or at risk of becoming involved in human trafficking. This broadcast needs your involvement and support. To find out more, simply go to loveneverfailsus.com and click on the radio show link. Today's program was brought to you in part by Case Industries, as well as supporters from Faith Fellowship, New Hope Christian Fellowship, and the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel. On behalf of Vanessa and the whole team at Love Never Fails, thank you for listening, and thank you even more for committing to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Give up a chance. Give up your-